0: and now back to lifeline with craig roberts
1: well my guest today has had the privilege for over 20 plus years to minister to some of the greatest places in the west of the United States, far west out in Honolulu, Hawaii, for almost a decade and for more than 10 years now, right here at home in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Joining me now is the senior pastor of Bay Church of San Francisco, Pastor Noah Coombs. Welcome.
2: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
1: Great to have you with us today. And I, I'm I'm fascinated learning your story and sharing a bit with the listeners about what God is doing in the trajectory of ministry that you've been involved with. I mentioned in my opening introductory remarks that you spent about a decade ministering in Hawaii. So Hawaii, San Francisco, some of the, 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 the sweet spots.
2: Yeah, I know. We've been really fortunate, you know, um, sometimes you can be apprehensive as to where god would bring you when you say yes to him you know and sometimes we're afraid of the the journey that he could take us on um but it's amazing how it is connected with how he has designed us and I uh, have been fortunate um, to serve in, uh, in Hawaii 10 years now, San Francisco, and it's been an amazing journey that he's had me on.
1: There may be some pastors eavesdropping on our conversation today that say, wow, I want that assignment. (laughs) <laughs> I need I need to talk to uh, the super of my denomination and ask for a, a transfer. Uh, but, you know, all joking aside, while Hawaii is a beautiful place to minister, as to San Francisco, for that matter, there are many inherent challenges. And I would imagine, certainly in Hawaii, you know, you're dealing with a very transitory population in many respects. And I suppose some challenges in terms of being able to just get in there, do a church plant, and lead people to Christ, I would suspect that some of the resistance that we would see in San Francisco would be the same in Hawaii
2: yeah you know it's interesting um, you know people um, go through different things and they're, they're, they go through experiences and um, there's hurts from their past there's trends of our culture and you know sometimes what we see in Hawaii there is uh, a tendency to have a delayed uh Impact when it comes to some of the cultural implications that we see here on the West Coast. Um, but we certainly see those things um, in Hawaii. And, you know, there uh, continues to be a need to connect with people on a relational level first to build trust. Um, and also, people um, are really skeptical of the sales types or those who come in with a good pitch. Um, or a good uh you know strategy or some type of of um you know uh of something something that kind of is is appealing versus people that are connected um and have really put in the time and have, have really paid the price and in both places Honolulu as well as San Francisco um it's a, these are challenging places to live. I mean, these are, of course, beautiful, attractive, but they're expensive, um, it's, uh, if there's traffic, um, it's hard to find parking, um, and you're kind of up close and personal in people's lives. And then as you continue to stay faithful um, in a community, and you love the people, um, and you love them past your own discomforts and challenges and things that you go through, Um, That really opens up the door for relationships and then for people to hear the message that you are there to bring.
1: And at the end of the day, that's really key, isn't it? I mean, there can be sort of the the um, mass marketing approach to Christianity or there can be the relational approach to Jesus. And I think what you're suggesting is that um, people will sense if you're engaged in the quote unquote mass marketing. But when it's relational, they wanna see that you're genuine, they wanna see that you really believe that they are important, as important as we know. God would suggest that he sent his son to die on their behalf that he might have relationship with them. And so with that idea in mind, I think it's interesting to note as much these are wonderful parts of the world, to be sure. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of those that get called to ministry. You know, you can go where it's the easiest in parts of the country where we have huge congregations and lots of folks that are engaged in a in an active faith experience. Or you can go to the places where there's the neediest. And and certainly, I think in describing San Francisco, to be sure, and I would suspect Hawaii as well, these are a couple of the places that are some of the neediest for hearing the gospel message and for that encounter with the genuine Jesus Christ on a relational level as opposed to that mass marketing level.
2: You know, in, in both experiences, we see that people work really hard to to make it to survive um in both in Honolulu as well as in San Francisco and we have always been impressed with people's work ethic um in some circumstances people will work two jobs um and so we do really see people putting their their life into their work and um and it can be exhausting um sometimes people can Feel like they're losing a sense of even themselves as they're just, you know, trying to make ends meet and trying to keep up. And um, you know, in my relationship with God, what has been amazing. And, and sometimes, even as a pastor, we can as you're, you're trying to get a church up and going, and you're, you feel like you need to just focus on what you need to do, and you can be almost a little bit uh, self-centered in your project or your assignment. Um, but I believe that Jesus does something. That's really powerful is that when he fills our heart with his love, what he does is he doesn't just give us enough of what we need. He gives us more than enough. And when he gives us more than enough, what he's wanting us to do is to share that love with people around us. And when we can do something as small as taking a little extra time to spend with people in Hawaii, we learned a really Cool term. It was called talk story. And what that basically meant was making the time to have a conversation with somebody, you know, after work, instead of rushing from one thing to the next, taking some time to be present and uh, to listen. And, you know, here in San Francisco, um, there really is a, uh, a value of empathy and taking time to care for somebody who is, struggling or going through something and so making that a priority you know when you're out walking your dog you know sometimes getting a dog is just a really great way to be available to be present to be in community and to take some time to stop and to listen and to see how people are doing and what they're going through and to um to really listen with compassion and i feel that that's really comes from a, a value and a characteristic of Jesus, he was constantly moved with compassion. He might have been going from one city to the next and he had someplace he needed to go. He was going to do something, but then he would be moved with compassion and he would then find himself in front of somebody that he didn't anticipate or expect. And now he's there listening to whatever uh, issue, challenge that they're going through. And he made himself available for the Holy Spirit to use him to be able to connect. Maybe it was an, an encouragement. Maybe he said something, maybe it was a teaching, maybe it was to stand up for somebody who was being bullied or judged. Maybe it was to pray for someone to see, see someone healed. But I feel that it's so important as ministers that we don't get caught up in kind of this, you know, we use this term, the rat race, where we just never have time for people around us. And I really believe that as we've been in both Hawaii and San Francisco, it's been important for us to be, uh, find that time to be available for people, whoever God would bring in front of us.
1: And, you know, you mentioned about the rat race, and I think it's, it's, it's good that occasionally we'd be reminded that the one who wins the rat race is simply the fastest rat. Our conversation today with Pastor Noah Coombs, Senior Pastor of Bay Church of San Francisco. A brief time out back to more of the conversation in just a moment.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Noah Coombs. He is the Senior Pastor of Bay Church of San Francisco. Pastor, let's pick up the conversation where we left off a moment ago. I'm struck by something you mentioned from, from a, a, a tactile sense of ministry and the many, many examples we see throughout Christ's ministry on earth of addressing felt needs and that sense of compassion all along the way demonstrated before us time and time again. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the notion that, well, you know, you're, you're talking about evangelism and I'm not really good in talking to people or, gee, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? Or what if I run into somebody that's a member of the Jehovah's Witnesses or or some false religion, and they they might even have a better handle on on Scripture than I do. But, you know, I I remember a story shared by my colleague um, many years ago that I think demonstrates how simple yet profound ministry can be. And, And this happened in San Francisco with a homeless woman on the street and a passerby that as this lady was asking for money, this individual gave them some money and then stopped and asked this woman something that we would think would be quite normal, um, and that was simply, what's your name? And the woman who was begging for money on the street, obviously homeless, began to cry. And when the individual asked, why are you crying? The reply came back, do you know, I've been out here on the streets, homeless for months now. And this is the first time that anybody has ever stopped and asked me my name. Just simply sometimes demonstrating respect for human dignity. And of course that encounter opened up an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's not the big, profound things that we do. We think that we need to hear you know, a, a, a voice out of heaven and God descending on a cloud and lightning and thunder to get the message through that he's about to call us to do something for him and for the sake of the kingdom. Sometimes it's in the simplest of actions. Stopping for a neighbor that you know has lost a loved one and saying, hey, I heard about your loss. I'm praying for you and watch and see what God does through an encounter like that, or the simplicity of asking a homeless person what their first name was. I think there are all kinds of ministry opportunities sitting right underneath our nose if we were just sensitive enough to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit to listen and to do.
2: Yeah. You know, when we um, look at Jesus's ministry, it was very dynamic. Um, But at the same time, it was very simple. You know, he didn't really travel that far. You know, he remained in a kind of a a small geographical space. But what we see is that he was out with people. And I think that 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 model has really challenged me because um, sometimes or maybe some of my experience or training has been only in uh, trying to get people to come to church, and, which I do believe, you know, I do believe that's a, a, a great thing. Invite people to church, um, go to church. <laughs> um, but Jesus was constantly going. And that's the other part of the ministry model that sometimes it's easy for us to either uh, neglect or maybe we're a little bit busy or maybe there's some uncomfortable. It's outside of our comfort zone. Um, but Jesus was out with people. And um, since we've been in San Francisco, we uh, have really embraced that side of the model of ministry, really trying to just follow what uh, Jesus did by, you know, being out with people in broken in their brokenness and their situations. And we think about where he would go. You know, we think that he would go into some of the the difficult places, uh, the broken places, um, the messy places um, where we would encounter folks with stories um that and I, I tell you this sometimes we look at somebody who is homeless and we feel like how could i possibly relate to this person how can i possibly connect and you know for whatever reason our social norms we don't we may not engage but um as we have taken steps steps of prompting of the holy spirit and steps of faith we have done a lot to engage with people that are on the fringes of society and when you take time to listen to people's stories, man, these these stories will break your heart. Um, these stories, these are stories of devastation. And um, people have been cut off from family. Uh, there's been people, lots of uh, foster kids who've aged out of foster care. And they don't have the support that a lot of us do. Um, and people have lost loved ones and they found themselves trying to cope. And their decisions of how they have... Tried to cope, have brought them into you know basically a a rabbit hole of uh, of poor choices sometimes on their own or you know um, getting uh, addicted to substance a lot of times and a lot of time and then the mental health always follows that you know when you're not able to sleep think about if you've ever spent an all nighter think about you know. <laughs> how in your right mind are you? Um, no, it, 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 caused us to, to kind of lose our, our sense of, of stability, you know, mentally and emotionally. And, and so um, I think one of the, the best things that has happened to us is how our faith and our perspective and our the, theology has grown as we have just tried to follow the example and the model that Jesus has given us to be out with people who are hurting and broken and struggling and, and to be able to just see... We've been able to see needs more clearly. You know, I think about this story of uh, the, the Good Samaritan and how Jesus was showing how the Good Samaritan saw the person who uh, was beat up, left for dead, and he took time to help him and pay for his lodging. And But there was two people that saw that person that had been left for dead and had passed him by. And he was talking about the priest... And the Levite, and these were, and I always ask the question: Where do you think the priest and the Levite were going? And I, the hundred percent of the time, I hear he's probably on his way to church. And I think that story really convicted me because sometimes we can find ourselves as church ministers and leaders to like be about our focus, or the work of the church, and so much that we can sometimes miss the needs. That are happening in the community around us. Yeah, I think you're right. Or,
1: or we're focusing on church small c as instead of church capital C. You know, and, I, and I'm struck by something that you say that I think it's important to underscore. Many people eavesdropping on this conversation today certainly want to see people come into the church. They want to see their church grow. They want to see more lives impacted, etc. But I think we need to be mindful, as you suggest, Pastor Combs, that. The, 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 the coming in is always preceded by the going out. And by that I mean we are told in Scripture to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Nowhere does it say hang out a shingle and they'll show up. No. It says for us to go out into the high. So that means Engagement and and living a life that demonstrates that there's something about who we are that is compelling to other individuals. Listen, if we are as down and dour and uh, dragging about and of little faith and negative as the rest of the world is, what makes any of us think that people are going to find that attractive? They're going to look at that and say, "Come into your church so I can be as miserable as you apparently are?" No, thank you. Not interested. But if we are really living that new life in Christ, and if there is something about the the vibrancy of our personal relationship with Christ that really does cause us to be that new creation... Others around us, co-workers, friends, family, neighbors will say there's something different about you. What is it that makes you different? And 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 that's part of that 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 going out and compelling them to come in process. And I think if we we want to look for a formula for church growth, we don't need to look to you know how to build a sanctuary that seats ten thousand, hang big lights, big music put on a big performance and hope that they'll all show up like they're going to a concert at the Oakland Coliseum. No, I think living the life engaged with a life in Christ that is different and is exciting and is compelling can be that difference. And sometimes it's just as simple as asking a neighbor if you can pray for them.
2: Yeah. You know what, as you're talking about, excuse me, all the different things that we have sometimes really put our uh, emphasis on, you know, the lights and the music and, you know, charismatic speaker and all these different things. And, you know, I think that when those things have come into play for us, many of us have felt like, um, well, maybe maybe this isn't for me. I, I, I don't know how to run lights. I'm not that funny or a charismatic speaker. I don't have a I don't have the budget for all these types of things. But when we talk about the ministry of Jesus, the simplicity of it, I think a lot more people would say, well, I I can go out and listen to somebody. I can go out and take someone to lunch. You know, I can uh, be available uh, for whatever need or that could come my way. I could pray for somebody. You know, I can be intentional. And so I feel that this ministry, I think, gets a lot of people who have maybe sidelined themselves, to say, you know, I can get back into ministry in a simple way, it's just the way that God has designed me. Um, and I, and as you're talking about, you know, what is it that compels people, you know, to the kingdom? We're not trying to, you know, some we're talking about compelling people to church, the lights, the camera, the action. But really, we want to compel people to Jesus. We want to compel people to the kingdom of God. And, you know, I really think about uh, the fruit of the spirit a lot and and to me the fruit of the spirit is really the evidence that god is in your life. You know, and he he lists out these characteristics that are the fruit of the spirit, love, and joy, and peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got all of my mind I missed one but But, but these are the things that people, I believe, are craving, craving. They're craving love. They're looking for peace. How do I find peace? You know, and I, you know, as people of faith, people that have God in our life, there is never a reason that we shouldn't have this fruit in our life. Of course we go through troubled times. Of course we go through challenges. Of course we, we grieve because of loss, but yet the fruit of the spirit, uh, should remain, and the Lord says, "There's, and it's no law can come against it. because you can't, uh, you you can't argue, you can't combat against the fruit of the spirit. And what it says is that then you know these birds will come and nest on the on on, on the, the fruit of the spirit. You know, and so um, I, I really believe that the compelling towards a relationship with Jesus, to know God, to know your Creator, to be open to the kingdom of God versus the, the currents of the culture of our time. you know I believe that the evidence of him, the Lord's Lord's presence is through us when it comes to the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the Spirit um, being demonstrated in and through our lives, the people around us. Our
1: conversation today with Pastor Noah Coombs, senior pastor of Bay Church of San Francisco. A brief timeout back to more of the conversation in just a moment.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Noah Coombs. He is the senior pastor of Bay Church of San Francisco. Pastor, if we continue our conversation, should we be concerned that there's oftentimes, as folks look at the the, the currents of our culture, as, as you suggest, And see this and say, wow, we're we're in the middle of a a battlefield here. We are at war. We need to really engage in this battle. And and there's a lot of talk these days about engaging the culture, things of this sort. But I also typically hear people characterize those who are outside the bonds of Christ as the enemy people that are to be defeated. Uh, it's us against them sort of mentality. A- and yet, scripture that I read says that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. Do we sometimes misidentify who the enemy is? In other words, we say somebody with whom we disagree politically, morally, spiritually, but instead of recognizing them as another sinner, just like me, in need of a savior, we characterize them as an enemy to be defeated. And yet that seems, in my reading of Scripture, to run absolutely contrary to what God tells us about who the true enemy of our soul is.
2: Yeah, you know, you're you're absolutely right. And I, I do see our time that we're in, of course, these are... Uh, These are very difficult and challenging times that we do live in and very confusing times. And, um, you know, but if I do compare it to biblical times, like the times of Noah, you know, are these times, you know, if we compare the two, are they more difficult and challenging than then? And or or in the times of Jesus? And the answer to that is, I, I really don't know. But um, it's it's not uh, for us to, you know, unnecessarily label or, you know, uh, say, oh, you know, come on, let's just sort of get, get over. It. it wasn't as hard, hard as, you know, this this time or that time. I think that it's important for us to go. No, the times that we that we're in are challenging, especially as I've talked to friends of mine who are older and have seen different trends and seasons. And many of them, many of them have said these these times that we're in are very concerning. And so we have to always uh, see ourselves in the context of the last days that these things are, you know, are telling us that, you know, we are coming towards the end. But how we respond and and I think you really um, are hitting the nail on the head here. If we're finding ourselves fighting and in combat with people, whether we find that on social media conflict or in some political arena, or even in our families, you know, even though, as Jesus talks about in times, we can expect these things to be very tumultuous. Um, then I believe that we ought to take a step back and say, you know what, if I'm fighting against flesh and blood, then I've, I've got it wrong. Mm-hmm. I've allowed anger, I've allowed emotion, negative emotion to actually lead me rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me. And the Lord does tell us that this battle is against uh, is 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 is, is it's against spiritual principalities, and all these different storms that we might experience—cultural storms, political storms—they all have. Spirit, a spiritual undercurrent and so we the people of faith need to be about the battle of the spiritual undercurrent that's happening and the lord does tell us how to do that he tells us to put on the full armor of god he says he's you know, so use the sword of the spirit and he's talking about like like praying god's word into these different uh situations dark places bring light you know and it's like and and the question then becomes before you get all combative with people like how how are you doing with reading god's god's word and bring that bring his word into some of these environments that are concerning to you you know um the lord also you know gives us this uh illustration about where we how we build our house you know if we build our house by this by the down by the shore you know when the waves come and the storm comes well that house will be washed away but the one who builds his house on the rock that one will stand well how do we build our house upon the rock well it's it's doing and applying God's word to our life. And so, um, you know, these spiritual things that God has given us, these spiritual disciplines, are for times like these that are difficult. And and so that becomes the big question for us is Christ followers, those who are um you know, wanting to know God or trying to understand these times of confusion, you know, when you start to read God's word, it's all of a sudden things become a little bit more uh, clear because the context, you know, that we're in. And so um, that is what I would continue to encourage people is to engage in God's word, engage in prayer, be in his presence, let him speak to you. And, and that will keep you from getting caught up in the currents of our time, you know, anchor your 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 soul in jesus it is secure and it is firm his kingdom is a counter current than the currents of our time and that's the current that we want to be in
1: and i think the notion of of, of praying that god would give us a, a a broken heart on behalf of those that are outside the bonds of christ and instead of seeing somebody with whom we disagree as our enemy Instead, say, well, there is somebody who, just like me, is in need of a savior. Why should we be surprised when the unregenerate behave so? It's when the regenerate behave like that. And, and, and there's little demonstration of who they are in Christ or who they serve. That ought to raise serious cause for concern. But I think the notion of if we, if we want to see the culture change, and I think we would agree we all recognize that we are going through some indeed very challenging times right now. But doesn't that suggest that if we're going to see a change in behavior, a change in culture, a change in our nation that it has to begin first and foremost with a change in hearts?
2: You know, I as we talked about, you know, different signs of the times, and one of them is talking about earthquakes. And uh, you know, maybe it's not necessarily only physical earthquakes, but there's uh cultural earthquakes and um I and I'm you know, I think the question that I put out I want to put out to people is like if there's cultural upendings, but the Lord is saying but those the people of faith should be standing firm. That's what the scripture says. You stand firm. And then when you think it difficult, you stand firm. And the Lord has given us um, the ability through his word, through relationship with him to stand firm, even though times are shifting and changing. And so, um, you know, really the adaptation that we need to make, I mean, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you're talking about the rock, that rock stands firm. Amen. Um, But it's it's us that needs to need to continue to course correct uh, back to him, uh, back to his will, uh, back to relationship with him. And um, I know that can be sometimes hard because that means we need to humble ourselves. It means that we need to repent regularly and we need to continue to work on restoring our relationship with him. But I want to tell you, it is super vital and super important, especially when the currents of our times are so strong. It's easy to get swept up and into the next controversy or battle or fight or argument. Um, and so, so yeah, the the changing is really important continual course correcting that each and every one of us need to do. And I, and I want to continue to challenge each and every one of everyone who, people of faith that is say to say to get into your word, to get into God's word and do it on a daily basis. That's the best. That's the very best way for you to course correct and to stay out of some of the, the fights that you can so, so easily get caught up into or the battles or, or, or getting swept in, you know onto the rocks uh, of, uh, of the current, because of the currents of our times.
1: Yeah. And clearly the enemy of our soul would want to see nothing more than for us to become combative. Because if we're busy fighting each other, then we're not going to have much time to pray for each other, minister to each other, lead somebody else to Christ. And I think you're absolutely right, uh, pastor, coming back to the word, back to the word, back to the word. That, that really is the key. Our conversation today with Pastor Noah Coombs, Senior Pastor of Bay Church of San Francisco. A brief time out back to more of the conversation in just a moment.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. We're visiting today with Pastor Noah Coombs. He is the Senior Pastor of Bay Church of San Francisco. Pastor, let's pick up the conversation where we left off a moment ago. And I think, you know, oftentimes even the notion of, of praying for a renewal of that first love uh, that I think sometimes saints, after a while, we kind of get into a habit, we get into the routine routine. And Christianity becomes more about what we do on Sundays than than who we are at the core. And I think sometimes there becomes that drifting away. So the notion of what it means to truly be his disciple and make disciples becomes a little bit cloudy and dim. And again, suddenly we're doing things out of rote or habit um, and And that joy, I think, of our first love needs to be renewed by by constant reminders of the fact that we are bought with a price. And, as I said a moment ago, and this just kind of underscores what you said, coming back to the word, coming back to the word, coming back to the word. Amen.
2: Yeah, I do believe that people are looking for stability. And as we have experienced such emotional turbulence, in our culture, in our time, I think the question first we need to take first ownership for ourselves. Can't, maybe we can't take ownership for all of the emotional turbulence in our culture, but to take responsibility for the emotional turbulence inside of ourselves. And how do we, you know, resolve that? Yeah, it is getting back to the word and hanging on to His promises and hanging on to His truths and letting Him Him guide us, and He does guide us to places of peace. Um, he, he guided, he guides us to, uh, to rest besides the the still waters. You know, he really is the good shepherd um, who will lead us. So we can trust in him. And one
1: of the things, of course, that's important is to be a active participating member of the body of Christ and to find yourself in a good, solid Bible, believing Bible teaching church toward that end. Spend a moment, if you would pastor and tell us a bit about what God is doing at Bay church of San Francisco.
2: Yeah, Bay Church. Well, we've been on on an adventure, you know. Um, so, you know, my wife and I have been in San Francisco 10 years and we have been working on an urban missions program. We host groups to come into San Francisco and we do a variety of outreaches over the course of a weekend. And that's always an invitation and open to Anyone, (laughs) We have people coming all the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana, coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, so these are great times for us to be on mission with God, to be just being discipled and to get out into some of those places that we've talked about getting out into places where there's people that are uh, homeless. Uh, We do a lot of beautification work. We do anti-human trafficking work, Um, uh, just a whole host of different things. And then we talk about how to take this experience home. We don't want to just go on mission trips, but we want want to be on mission throughout our lives. And so that's been something that we've been passionate about working on uh, since we've been here in San Francisco. Um, We merged with an existing church called Bay Church. uh, uh, My wife and I did about six years ago, and um, we've been moving from place to place and um, just because because of the. You know, if you can imagine in San Francisco, rent issues and different challenges um, that we've have, have worked through. But we finally have found a place for us. It's out at the Pomeroy Center, which is right next to the zoo. We can literally see monkeys uh, from the parking lot. It's pretty awesome. Um, but we have a we have. One of the most sweetest, I think, congregation. That's what some another pastor said. This is one of the sweetest congregations that they've ever met, and I and I really do believe that our hearts have been um, been refined, um, and and that's been a real focus of of us. So that when anybody would come through our doors, they would feel uh, the the presence of God in such a, a like almost like he would bring them a sweet drink of water it's like oh um, man, that's what i that's what i needed i needed to know that i would be welcomed loved um, received accepted and you know our goal of of a tri- I really, what i really believe that church is all about is a community of people coming at the foot of the cross so that we have a place to repent of our sins and to be forgiven and um you know that is really a um a, a pivotal Um, a focus of our church is to continue to come to him um, with repentance. Um, And as much as we might bathe externally, we believe that we need to be washed, cleaned on a regular basis. And so that has really been uh, uh, what what has guided us. Um, You know, we have a large space and it's a beautiful space. It actually overlooks Lake Merced. Um, we have parking, which is crazy, um, and it's a big space. And you know, we've been kind of in a place of the Lord has, I think, been pruning, but then also refining. And really, we're in a season that is poised to to grow. Um, we uh, we we have a not only a, a great location that we meet at, um, but then we have a nice little courtyard where every Sunday uh, we make soup because <laughs> we really value relationships and connection. And so even though we might end the service at about eleven fifteen, eleven thirty, 15, um, we all stick around and we connect and we hang out. We build relationships. Sometimes people want to just talk. Sometimes people need some prayer. Um, sometimes people make, Appointments to get together throughout the week, um, but uh, that time of just eating soup and hanging out and talking is a really important part of our our, our service as well. Um, and we're fortunate; we have a very diverse community age range. We have young ones all the way up to to uh, the people that are mature in the faith, older. We have youth as well as young adults. Um, and uh, of course, uh, you know, the, the beautiful thing about San Francisco is it's diverse. People come from all over the world, and that's also reflected in, in our church. Yeah, the,
1: be- the beautiful thing about living in the city is if you want to know where the mission field is and serve the Lord there, just open your front door. Bay Church okay. of San Francisco a meeting at the Pomeroy Center. That's at 207 Skyline Boulevard, and their service times Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Information available on the web at baychurch.org. That's baychurch.org. Again, service time Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., the Pomeroy Center, 207 Skyline Boulevard in San Francisco. And our thanks to Senior Pastor Noah Combs for being with us today. Pastor, thanks so much for the time.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.